This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Welcome to Primal Screen, a Triple R film criticism show and podcast. I am your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, making a somewhat triumphant return to the studio. And joining me here in the lush surrounds of Triple R Studios in downtown Brunswick are Fee Wright. Hello, it does feel triumphant. Does, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, I'll take that. Like, I'll go with, you know, like, reasonably triumphant. Like, there's yeah. something, you know, nobody's giving us a maybe cup or a, a medal, but there's maybe something. Maybe just some oomph. Yeah. Or the umph. The umph. Or the oof. <laughs> the oof. We'll get to that. Um, Spoilers. And, <laughs> and broadcasting from interstate and making her long-awaited return to the show after two months in the wilderness, sometimes literally, as she tracked around Australia, joining us on the <laughs> Zoom is my esteemed, our esteemed co-host, Flick Ford. Hello. <laughs> I was actually three months, I think, Paul. Three months? It? Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. No, you're right, too, yeah. Right. What yeah. is time anymore? It's three months to the day almost. Yeah. Oh, that's it actually feels it feels so fitting to be, like, doing this on Zoom in 2021. <laughs> and, like, it feels, yeah. Standard. <laughs> very on trend. Mm, very on brand. Classic 2021. Yeah. <laughs> We're back to new releases, given cinemas are back open again. Um, but like lightly restricted Victoria, we're going to cover all bases. We've got one cinema release tonight and two streaming releases, all of which are action films with female leads. First, we'll tool up with mother-daughter assassin team Lena Hetty and Karen Gillan in Nevo Papachado's action comedy <laughs> Gunpowder Milkshake. Then we'll fly the unfriendly skies with Perry Baumeister as a mother who must reveal a deadly secret to protect her son from terrorists on a plane in Peter Thorworth's German-English action horror hybrid Blood Red Sky. And finally, we'll lose all impulse control with Kate Beckinsale beating up everyone who crosses her path in Tanya Wexler's action sci-fi comedy hybrid Jolt. Also, as you listen to us chatting about these films, please feel free to hit us up on our social media channels and leave a comment. Search for Primal Screen on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. But first, here's the Primal Screen News Bulletin for the week. Well, you can't say I didn't warn you, but the week-to-week proposition of life in the time of COVID-19 and the current capacity restrictions on cinemas means that the 69th edition of the Melbourne International Film Festival has decided to flip the order of its half-in-cinema, half-online festival this year in the hope that said capacity restrictions will ease considerably by next week, as well as spreading sessions around to other venues. This now means that the online project will now start uh, the online program will now start first on Thursday August 5th with the Australian premiere screening of Sean Heater's comedy drama Coda kicking off a program uh, uh, of and uh, kicking off a program of online films over the next week um, the on uh, the opening night in cinema film Lee Purcell's The Drover's Wife The Legend of Molly Johnson will now move a week to Thursday August 12th beginning the planned program of cinema screenings 
and everything online and cinema concludes on Sunday, August 22nd. The festival assures us ticket holders will be contacted, but in the meantime, check the festival website at miff.com.au for session changes. However, this delay has resulted in some huge additions to the festival program. Sorry to interrupt. I just no, really no. That's a that is just because <laughs> all from Khan, most prominent of which is a film that on this very show two weeks ago I bemoaned Miff not getting, which is <laughs> Julia Ducournau's mind-bending, palm door-winning body horror female serial killer who has sex with a car horror drama Titan, which I cannot wait for. As well as Joachim Trier's romantic comedy, The Worst Person in the World, which won star Renate Reinsfer, the Best Actress Prize at Cannes. Abdullah Mohamed Saad's drama, Rahana Mariam Noor, which was the first film from Bangladesh to ever screen at Cannes. Gracie Otto's documentary, Under the Volcano, about the rise and fall of super producer Sir George Martin's innovative Air Montserrat studio, which saw the reunion of the Rolling Stones, the breakup of the police, and Paul McCartney's reinvigoration after the tragic murder of John Lennon, all before being destroyed by a host of natural disasters. <laughs> and Oliver Stone's new documentary, JFK Revisited, Through the Looking Glass, where the legendary filmmaker revisits and expands the investigation posed by his 1992 classic, seeking to set the record straight about what really happened in 1963. Let it go. He reckons he knows now. <laughs> he reckons he kn- He's like, no, this time I know who I, killed the president. I grew up with JFK constantly on a rolling loop in the background of my house because my brother yeah. was obsessed with that. And I'm just uh, just hearing you say that, it gave me like PTSD flashback <laughs> to Kevin Costner. <laughs> like doing the magic bullet with the pool cue. Anyway, my family who might be listening right now are also probably going, "Oh God, Andrew with the with the with the JFK." Sorry, Andrew, I'm sure it'll be excellent. Andrew might be looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll have a ripper of a night. He'll go on his own. <laughs> no other members of the right family will be joining him for that screening. And finally. Sorry. In further Aussie festival news, Nadia Tass, director of Australian classics Malcolm and the Big Steel, will be heading the jury of Western Australia's Cinefest Oz, where four films will compete for the $100,000 Cinefest Oz film prize. Anna Kokkinos's Here Out West, Leah Purcell's The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, Justin Curzell's Nitram, and Jennifer Peedham's River. Uh, Nadia Tass's own documentary, Oleg, the Oleg Vidov story, about one of the Soviet Union's most famous actors of the 1960s, who was blacklisted and forced to defect to the West, will be screened during the festival as well. Cinefest Oz will feature 270 film and event options, including 17 world premieres, four Australian premieres, and 34 West Australian premieres. Cinefest Oz kicks off on August 25th, with the world premiere of Bentley Dean's surfing documentary Facing Monsters, and runs until August 29th. If you're likely to find yourself in WA that week after a couple of weeks of quarantine. Hey, I might. <laughs> well, Flick, Sorry. if you're still in town, check out cinefestoz.com for more details. Now, join us on the couch for our first film of the week. You're the sentimental oh. type. Romantic. Sentimental types don't last long doing this. So, no, I don't think I'm the sentimental type. Tommy Tomahawk. I look everywhere for him. Yeah, sorry about that. We'll make these disappear and get you into some new, clean boots. You'll need a Jane Austen. A Charlotte Bronte. And a Virginia Woolf. 
Sorry, the ooh is because I said, join us on the couch for a film that's in cinemas. Uh, <laughs> Gunpowder Milkshake is the third feature film directed by Navo Papachado and his first directing solo. In her turbulent life as a professional assassin, Scarlett, Lena Hetty, was cruelly forced to abandon her daughter Sam and go on the run. Fifteen years later, despite the estrangement, Sam, now played by Karen Gillan, has grown up into a cold-blooded hit woman. After a high-stake mission spins out of control, putting an innocent eight-year-old girl in the middle of a gang war she has unleashed, Sam has no choice but to go rogue. This ultimately leads her back to her mother and her former hit women sidekicks, played by Angela Bassett, Caligagino and Michelle Yeoh, who all join forces in an avenging war against those who took everything from them. Flick. Your nephew is the reason we're reviewing this film tonight. <laughs> and not, say, M. Night Shyamalan's old, or more mercifully, why we're not reviewing Space Jam and New Legacy. Hey, hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, boy. I actually, I actually had a good friend of mine, um, another Fiona, um, recommend Space Jam purely because it has a Mad Max, Mad Max Fury Road reference in it. She's like, probably worth it for that. Wow. Um, and I did actually also see Old uh, this week as well. Oh, wow. Uh, All right. You glo- <laughs> do you punish me? Well, this is my question. <laughs> did your nephew make the right choice? Well, yeah, interesting call. Let's put this on uh, my darling nephew Jude. Um, <laughs> I think you know. So it was a little. It was a delayed, a belated um, birthday um, present for him, and um, so I was like, pick any film you like. And I think there's that pressure when your auntie, who's a film reviewer, says that. So I think he he may have thought that I felt a bit pressured to pick the the film with the kind of kick-ass librarians. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, with with no a link, feminist no kind yeah. of, yeah, feminist bent. So, um, yeah, I did feel like it was maybe not his choice. But um, <laughs> I I'm, feel like I've never, ever said this about a film, but I feel like it needed to be less violent because I really would have loved for my nieces, who are a bit younger, to be able to watch this film. Mm. And I think that that's actually where this film tonally is set with a younger audience um, because some of it is a little bit, um, it's a bit cutesy and mm. not in a, not in a dark way that say like, um, oh, like Deadpool or, you know, like none mm. of those sorts of ones where there's got a darkness with that cheeky humor. I think there's a real innocence to this film and a real kind of black, white, um, sort of morality, which is not actually a, an a criticism. I just think it's for a younger audience okay. and perhaps a less complex investigation of feminist values and, and representation and, and this idea of a sisterhood, which I actually thought was quite charming, um, but I, I just feel like uh, it didn't quite, it wasn't quite my kind of film, um, but I would have loved like a lower rating um, classification in order to have that younger audience of um, girls and boys watching this. Um, so I do find Karen Gillan, she's, she's so charismatic on screen. I really do like her. I think like she's got that goofy charm. And so she kind of won me over and I like the fact she's quite stiff and I was rewatching some of her fight scenes today and I just think she's got great kinetic presence and the fight scenes. I mean, this film is a total film buffs or maybe early film buffs film you know there's so many references mm. they're a bit mm. obvious like the, the poster alone is obviously nicholas winding reference drive mm. um there's lots of little there's a not to mention clubs. the jacket yeah yes, the, the jacket jackets. of course yeah. the neon lighting yeah um, so neon yeah yeah and there's a bit in the diner where you can see a fight club sandwich no. I mean, <laughs> 
think if you had a generous reading of those, of that, the decision to kind of include that, you could say that, you know, these are all kind of very macho male um, action heroes mm. um, and so maybe it's a, a knowing nod. But because of the casting decisions, um, you know, with Michelle Yao and, um, oh, blanked Angela Bassett, you've got this, you've got also a lineage of amazing female action stars as well, like mm. martial arts and, and kind of action films and, yeah, so you, you're kind of tapping into that as well. Um, it's also got a lot of Tarantino influence <laughs> there with, like, Kill Bill and, That's yeah, sad. I mean, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I, had, it's, I had a sense of that too, with the Kill Bill yeah, in particular. Mm. absolutely. And it's a revenge film, you know, mm. you can't, it's hard to get away from that. But um, I don't know, it didn't quite win me over, but I was also fine to go along with the ride. Um, I actually saw it with my dad as well and my brother. So <laughs> I brought along all the boys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I did think that um, I, was kind of, I, liked, um, I liked a bit of the humour. I think that it gave it a bit of lightness that it needed to not take itself too seriously. I think that it, if it had gone through... Um, a more serious tone, I think that a lot of that stuff wouldn't have pulled off. It allows itself a bit of space in in that comic flair. So, yeah, I don't, yeah it's enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, did you find it yeah, enjoyable? I um I think I might have described it to someone as two glasses of wine. Like you need to have, you have two glasses of wine beforehand, mm-hmm. and you're in for a, a really good evening because it just again it just didn't quite didn't quite get me there. And what you I was listening to you then, Flick, talk about the rating and how it has like a young adult kind of vibe to it. And the more you spoke about that, the more that that resonated, especially with the morality aspects of it. Um, Though I immediately had this association with it. Did you – do you guys – this is like a really non-cultured reference to bring up, but have you guys heard about how Fifty Shades of Grey was like a fan fiction of Twilight? Yes. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I really did feel that this was like it started off as Kill Bill but about Beatrix's daughter in the future as like the tale Mm. because, you know, in Kill Bill they had this – this tribe of female assassins that all work together. It had like a lot of these parallels that it felt to me like it was like a fanfic first. Mm. And it just, I, I loved the library sequences. Also a bit partial to that. And I feel like if they had have maybe made it just to, and I've, I don't think I've ever said this before, a smidge less violent, never said that, now that's on radio, um, a smidge less violent, a little bit more kind of, exposition with those characters and those relationships mm. I feel like the story would have been the better for it I don't know what what are your thoughts Paul I think the word you're looking for is actual characters um <laughs> I yeah Ooh, I, I don't feel like a film with this much color impressive production design or such a well credentialed cast should be this great dull I I just that was said in a very Margaret Pomeranz type way, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> and like the, the flexing of the hands, I just yeah. need the massive earrings. Yeah. The, I mean, this felt like style over substance writ large. No, but yeah. there's a reference yeah. that you two haven't mentioned that smacked me in the face every five seconds in this film. This wants so badly to be a John Wick movie. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so yeah. John Wick, and and it's like, yeah. but the problem it it's it wants to be a John Wick movie so badly it hurts us, the audience. Uh, as, yeah. I felt that about um, Jolt personally, but we'll get to that. Oh yeah, no, that too, mm. that too. Um, <laughs> it's it has a cast of. Beloved actors recite these kind of rote one-liners which clang so loud they might wake up the neighbours. They step through action scenes as artificial and cliched as they are. Like, they're weirdly lifeless. Like, these got, they've got these moves and it's like it just seems very and, – and also, too, the way this is cut is bizarre. They seem to walk in slow-mo at moments where it's like, we need to get to the next <laughs> yeah, thing. That, and then it yeah. cuts to them walking. It's like, what are you doing? These two are going to die. Like, <laughs> like, it goes – it's not cool. It's just, like, lazy. It's like, come on. Um, <laughs> there were some scenes at the hospital that really resonated with that. <laughs> yes. yeah. The, the action set pieces seemed kind of rote and endless. Every time somebody – yeah. Uh, the, it's, or characters would stop and have an extended conversation at the moment mm. when they're supposed to – you would think they'd be like, we need to search for this person. No, we're going to go over here and have this moment. It's like, what? It's it's really and, – and none of the relationships or emotion really landed for me. Um, and I don't I don't know. It's, it speaks a little to what you were saying, Flick. I'm the kind of person – I don't give a crap who makes what movie. Like mm. I, I think – I think filmmakers should tell the stories that light their fire. I, mm. Like, as a really, you know. But by the time he gets to the ending where a gravelly-voiced bad guy calls himself a feminist just before he talks about being unable to relate to his daughters, <laughs> it, it's clear that this film is not only clinically boring, but but it also felt like a cynical exercise in performative girl power written, produced, and directed entirely by two burly dudes. Like, mm. and, I, and I'm all for guys making feminist movies. Like, like I said, Tarantino, Kill Bill, like, Perfect, like, but it just it felt very production managed and very, yeah, very, yeah. And yeah. and if it weren't for this, like, I loved the production design in this movie. I think this movie looks gorgeous. Yeah, it was really and, really beautiful. The lighting, yeah, and the sheer likability of Bassett, Gugino, and Yo as the mm. librarians. I, I agree. All the best stuff <laughs> is in the library with those oh, three. Delightful. They're they're <laughs> wonderful, and um, and. <laughs> Uh, and 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 young Chloe Coleman, who plays Emily, is quite charming as well. Um, there's also I I've, there's a fun. I will say too, there is a fun car chase at one point. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> as someone who has recently got their their plates <laughs> and driven around Australia, I was like. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> to watch it. That, that's that's, that's um, it's you know probably should, yeah. That, that's actually how I learned to drive a car as a small child <laughs> around Latrobe Uni Car Park. Thanks, Dad. Um, sitting very, on the knee. Sitting on the knee. Yeah, my mum is really <laughs> listening and cringing. Sorry, this, my with, family's getting a lot of mentions. They today. are. Yeah, with but, gun, <laughs> with gun toting assassins in in uh, pursuit. Of course, of course. I mean, that's the only way to really feel the pressure of the steering. You know, <laughs> of, of driving in Melbourne. No yes. doubt. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for the design, those four cast members and that car chase, this would be a complete wash for me. Um, but at least I did, I did like those three characters, which is more than I can say for a film coming later. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, Gunpowder Milkshake is now screening at most major and independent cinemas. Do you think you would have liked it more if you'd had some wine first? Maybe, maybe I didn't. <laughs> the popcorn was clearly not doing its job. I needed two wines. <laughs> <laughs> who are we being? Uh, who are we being sponsored by tonight? Uh, yeah, no what one. No, Brown just just just, uh, just just uh, just encouraging beverages responsibly. Obviously, <laughs> drink responsibly, listeners. Yes. Um, if, if if you want to try the the fee right to wine test. <laughs> 
Gunpowder Milkshake is now screening at most major and independent cinemas. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford, Fee Wright, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Now, please buckle up and place your seats and trays in the upright position. Geez, remember international flights? <laughs> Weren't they good? <sighs> flights, actually, to be fair. <laughs> As you can see, we have control of the plane. We want this operation of ours to go up without a hitch. If not, use your imaginations. Blood Red Sky is the sixth feature film from director Peter Thorworth. Naja, played by Perry Baumeister, a woman with a mysterious blood-related illness, boards an overnight transatlantic flight with her son. She's headed to New York for treatment, but when a group of terrorists, led by Australia's own Dominic Purcell, attempt to hijack the plane, she must swing into action to protect her son. But this will involve her revealing her darkest secret, unleashing the inner monster she has fought to hide. Flick. How did you handle the turbulence on this particular flight of blood-drenched <laughs> fancy? Look, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I've had um, I've had some chest chest issues lately, and I don't know if this film was the best <laughs> thing for me to be watching in my fragile state. But um, I I was kind of putting this off because when you'd suggested it, I sort of read it and I was like, I don't know about this. I have to admit, <laughs> it's kind of like this looks like it could be ridiculous. Um, I was actually, Fee, you, you'll love this, I was going to watch the um, the F1 race uh, <laughs> <laughs> last night and then I was like, I'm sorry, I'm a bit too into this movie. i got to keep going with it. Um, I enjoyed this immensely. I wasn't expecting to at all, actually. Um, it's kind of fascinating. I, I think that the thing that stood out for me the most is the... The, the cast is so strong. They, they really do commit to this film. It mm. could so easily be a ridiculous film. Like they could have gone like Snakes on a Plane style ridiculousness. But the, the cast actually take this very seriously and I think it's the, the fact that this quite unusual story is anchored to a very real um, and very relatable Thing of chronic illness um this woman who and like the early when you first get introduced to Nadja um she actually she kind of presents as though she has leukemia and her rituals with the injections and things like that um you know a lot of that for people who are do have chronic illness you know those are obstacles or, or part of your your day-to-day life sometimes and there is you know sometimes people react badly to that if you're you're having to get needles out or or if you're groaning from pain and things like that and I don't know there's something about watching that on screen that I instantly was very taken by her and I know we're focusing on kind of strong female leads for tonight's show and I think there's something about her as a character that I was just instantly drawn to and um, I'm always a big, big fan of when kid actors have a given, like, fully fleshed out characters. And, you know, I really love uh, Elias in this film, played by Carl Anton Kosh. I just thought he was super believable. He's a, he's a properly formed character in his own right. And 
I think the this film really captures that like role reversal that happens when a young child has a parent who's chronically ill. Um, of course, it's a very different kind of illness, um, so, <laughs> which uh, turn, turns her into a, a bit of a, you know, superhero um, parent. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was really drawn to it. I think you see a repetition as well. There's this parent-child dynamic, whether it's a stand-in parent or whether it's a, a troubled relationship between a father and son, which you see in, like, the flashback mm-hmm. scene, Um it's layered throughout the film and it's not done in it's not done in a cheap way they kind of because you have these little moments I feel like it really explores the difficulties of that relationship in quite a beautiful way in such an unusual narrative um sort of force and and then you've got the wonderful um claustrophobia from the plane (laughs) I mean it's not the film I really wanted to be watching (laughs) two days out of a a domestic flight but I um I was really taken by this I I really I was gripped to the very end and I, I love that for a film that could have been overdone they just are beautifully restrained beautifully shot I loved the vampire's transformation it's got a real Nosferatu sort of style to it um yeah straight this would be my favorite film of the week for sure Fee <laughs> should have watched the f1 mate <laughs> Jeez. actually I did see who won so I'm a bit sad I missed it <laughs> I um I I am I Look, I am not I, – I like an action movie. I, li- I like the Nosferatu elements and I liked um, Elias, the, the child actor. I wish I had gone more in a snakes on a plane way because I was I, – I got to about halfway through and I was legitimately bored. I what? did not – Can I just take ha- this opportunity to say, Flick, I'm so happy to have you back. <laughs> Normally this would be Fee and Will agreeing and beating up on me. Yeah, I, I miss you, Will. Yeah. <laughs> but actually I um I, I was I I actually got to a point which doesn't happen often with me with a film, but I actually picked up my phone to text Will to ask him about if there was a female version of um John Wick that he believed in. So there you go. I was literally thinking about John Wick and I texted someone whilst watching a movie because I was that bored during this. Well, clearly it, you love gunpowder milkshake. You got your female <laughs> Yeah, I had that there. But I just I just felt like it the second half of this dragged. I just didn't care. I didn't care about these people. I didn't care about the terrorists with their like vague terrorism ideas. I didn't feel it was like really kind of like a bit wishy-washy. And look, I am I, I like an action movie. I've been I've been described before as an Arnold Schwarzenegger apologist. So I am not <laughs> You know, I'm not against a film not making sense, but I just, I just, I just didn't buy in. I just did not commit. I did not buy in. I thought it took itself too seriously, and was not self-aware. And if it had have been Snakes on a Plane, I might have been more interested. Mm. I want. How do you feel, Paul? What are your senses about? Oh uh, yeah, I know. I, I haven't played my hand. Seven months. Look. I mean, in an otherwise thin week, seven months into 2021, this is my B-movie find of the year. I th- I thought it started a little shakily, but I like that stuff that you mentioned, Flick, mm. um, as it sets everything up. But I felt it really revved up to be a hugely enjoyable Euro genre flick that kind of leverages its bonkers concept to help itself to some really some gnarly gore, but also treats, and I guess this is where I'm, I'm, I agree much more with you, Flick, 
um, it treats its mad situation with this disarming gravity, which kind of leads to this unexpectedly emotional conclusion. Like, yeah. that final <laughs> scene with the mother and the son, it's like I was genuinely yeah. moved by that. Yeah. And, and this is not a movie I expected in any way, shape, or form to be genuinely moved by. But my eyes just rolled so far back oh, into the don't. back of my head. <laughs> I actually, when you suggested this film, Paul, I was just like, oh, yeah, that'll be a good one to tear down on air. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was my first thought. I was like, yeah, this would be great. Okay, it's probably going to be but really I, average. Yeah. Yeah, but I honestly feel like there's a lot of heart to it. I mean, I'm usually, I, I usually, <laughs> I am like an action action movie fiend, but I don't know, something about this. It's, nothing about it would have been like, this is my kind of film, but yeah. Look, I'm <laughs> someone who loves and will defend Predator 2, which is the Danny Glover, oh. not the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. But I just could not stand this movie. I don't, I, it's just, I don't know if it was, it took itself. You found the gravitas. I thought it took itself too seriously. Perhaps somewhere between those two perspectives is a kind of mid-range film. But I didn't find it even – like it didn't even get me to – I thought that if it was going to be that much gravitas that it needed to go harder and be like the room. But I didn't even get to that point. Like it didn't get to so bad it's good – for me, and yeah. I didn't get to that B grade. I just went. I just got to I don't know, like a whimper. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. See, I'm, 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 with, I'm with you. Yeah, I, totally. Sure. Like the cast are really. I love that you use the word commit. They uh, yeah, they flick, do commit because but, mm. there's some seriously impressive physical movement stuff here from both yeah. Baumeister and Alexander Shear, who plays Eight Ball, a complete psycho in the film. Although his look. Yes. Did remind me a lot of a certain Melbourne cinema manager. <laughs> um, it's uh, I mean that as a compliment, but um, the film gives its three heroes some nice personal moments. I loved Farid, Farid as yes. well. I thought he was yeah. wonderful um, yeah. as the script, and I thought the script was really good at heaping on the uh, complications. Like, and the mm. complications all seem very organic coming out of the yeah. situation. There's it, a beautiful moment as well. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just thinking there's a beautiful moment as well in which there's a real shift of what's urgent. You know, think about like yes. we're in the middle of this global pandemic and it's interesting how alliances shift of what is important in that moment. Is the importance of this, ter- you know, are we worried about the terrorist attack or are we worried about the fact that there's, you know, <laughs> some, you know Something vampire loose. zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's all, and it's also, of course, that has the subtext there of like judging somebody on, you know, what you perceive them to be. Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. Um, with both Farid, Farid copying it early and then Naja later. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, you look like you're, 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 you're uh, straining to say something. No, I'm not, I'm not straining to say anything. The monster truly lies within, and apparently it just lies within me at this point because I'm the monster that didn't enjoy this film. I was about to say, maybe your problem was it just wasn't enough Bill Paxton in this film. Yeah, look, you know what? R.I.P. Predator 2. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's, you know, he's killed the alien, he's killed the predator, he's killed he's he's done everything. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that that might have pulled it back for me. I I don't know. I just I wanted to care mm. and particularly in the first half, maybe the first 45 minutes or so, I was more engaged. Mm. I was more connected, but I definitely, yeah, it's it's not often that I will text during a film, but I I felt the urge to to text. And so it's like, well, you know, there you go. <laughs> That's 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 game over. It was also the first film I watched after I saw on Friday night um, uh, David Lynch's Straight Story, which oh. was just beautiful and perfect in yep. every conceivable way. And then I watched this, and I was like, maybe that kind of made me go. Pfft. 
Like, yeah, yeah. That is. But see, is it your most hated film of the week, though? Oh, we'll see. I don't know. That's just Sophie's choice oh, at this God. point. <laughs> uh, I don't even. I'm terrified to see where that goes. I will say <laughs> another thing about this film that I did not expect. It's physically impressive. Like they clearly spent a bomb on this. Like it doesn't look cheap. Like there's huge moments. It's got this great use of the double decker plane set. Um, the makeup effects are fantastic. Look, the laws of physics aren't always followed to the letter. But the action's tight and bruising. The blood flows copiously, and I really wanted Elias Farid and Naja to be okay at the end. What you, you know, like what more do you want from Netflix on a Saturday night? Maybe, maybe you need more wine for this one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is, yeah, did, is this how I rank everything now? That sounds unhealthy. This is a three wine movie. <laughs> no, I have um, the rest. <laughs> and I, I almost thought it. You know, the film it gave me a vibe like when it's firing, and I, I don't think it's as good as this film, but when it's firing, it's almost a German vamp take on something like Train to Busan. Like that's sort yes, of the vibe yeah. it gave me. I I can because both films give me a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's and how I, I really touch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and what's with what's with the like m- modes of transport and having a monster stuck on there? It's like we hate we hate PT. We just have to <laughs> just drive Another. everywhere, folks. Preferably with your kid on your knee. So, Blood Red Sky <laughs> is now streaming on Netflix. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Independently yours, Triple R. One hundred two point seven. Listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Fee Wright, Flick Ford, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. We've had neon lights, vamp bites, and now fist fights. Your emotions must be running pretty high in order for you to override the system. Yeah, I have an unnaturally high level of cortisol, so my emotions are running high all the time. But you cannot keep using biochemistry as an excuse all the time. <sighs> Jolt is the fifth feature film directed by Tanya Wexler. Lindy, Kate Beckinsale, is an acid-tongued woman with a rare anger impulse control disorder who controls her temper by shocking herself with an electrode vest. One day, she makes a connection with Justin, Australia's own Jai Courtney, who gives her a glimmer of hope for a shock-free future. But when he's suddenly murdered, she launches herself on a revenge-fueled rampage in pursuit of his killer. Fee, did you find this film a genuine shock or just shocking? Yeah, look, (laughs) I was watching this movie and just there were a lot of thoughts and none of them were particularly good. And probably the the first inkling that I had was I'm always suspicious. And I don't know if you both have the same sensation, but I'm always very suspicious when a film starts with a large amount of voiceover exposition in order for it to make sense. And the first, I want to say, six to seven minutes was explaining this whole backstory of how it came to be, why she was the way she was, all of this other random nonsense. And I was like, yeah, this is... This is going well, to be downhill from here. It's it's the number one, like the first rule you learn in film school, show, don't tell. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I teach right. my year eights and <laughs> they've got it down. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was leaning on neo-noir but it did not have the skill or craft or edges um, to, to, to use one of your, I hope this isn't coming straight from your computer screen because I just thought of it, um, it telegraphed its story more than her punches. It was just, 
It was one of those ones where you're like, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yep, yep, that's happened. You know, there were lots of plot conveniences. You know, all of a sudden she can remember how to drive a manual car and it's, ooh, you know, and I just, yeah. The the guy was, I, I, my my next suspicion that it was bad was at some point he buys her a camera after their first date. And I was like, $3,000 camera, that's love bombing. That is not a healthy choice. This is not a good person. That was, that was such a huge red flag for me too. I'm like, yeah, dating red flag. Obviously not written by. A guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. written yeah. by a guy. So, but yeah. at the yeah. same time, it's like I had the same thing. It's like, no, nah, this is this guy's weird. And then clearly, yeah. Look, if you if you've seen the first fifteen minutes, you've seen probably the whole movie. You know, it was like there were. It was like. Um, it was like a side scroller video game. You know, you had to get through the next boss to get to the next boss to get to the next boss. And you knew where all the bosses would go. You knew that she'd have some kind of like one liner. And I, I, I don't know, maybe Stanley Tucci just really wanted a summer house because that's the only <laughs> reason why I can imagine him signing onto this film. I felt betrayed by him. Yeah. I did see one person's comment where it was something like, Tucci must have a whole lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Nicolas Cage trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's the thing? I didn't Absolutely. see the movie, but I did see the summer house and it was it's beautiful or something. How summer house at Borton was quite lovely. Yeah. It was I I did I felt betrayed by Tucci. He let me down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Him being in this betrayed. film is weird. Yeah. I felt a bit betrayed by everyone in this, really. Yeah. I mean I also honest, don't mind the first Underworld movie either. Yes. Yeah, me neither. This is why I was actually thinking this could be um, you know, Kate Beckinsale is a great actor to highlight for female action heroes. You know, she's she's also she's very funny on the internet, just as a is. general person. She's just yeah, like an entertaining piss taker. I she's think, great. I she's, think I like her Instagram feed more than any of her movies. <laughs> she she does actually have um, a great comic edge to her. Like I, one of my favorite roles of her is in uh, Walt Stillman's uh, two. Oh, last sixteen film, Love and Friendship. Yeah. She is so charismatic and just owns every scene in that film. It's a great one to check out if you haven't seen it already. You remind and me, you, she's in Last Days of Disco for Stillman yes, as well, and she's good in yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, so she's got that to her, and I think there's like flashes, very tiny mm. <laughs> flashes, not enough of a jolt in jolt <laughs> for for that. Um, and she does her best, um, but it's a te- this is a terrible film. Like, just don't yeah. bother. I. I, I was really annoyed because I've watched this off the back of finally after uh, Get Down's Chris Gill recommended that I watch I May Destroy You, the wonderful oh, yeah. um, TV series on binge. I finally just binge watched that over the last week, which is all about, you know, this. it's about sexual abuse but it's also got comedy in it and it also has rage, a woman who is full of rage and grief. And it is such a powerful TV series and such a beautiful and kind of quite haunting exploration of these really complex issues. And then to see Jolt, <laughs> which is just, uh, it's just you, offensive. It's yeah, actually offensive to say that, oh, this woman's angry. And it's like you just don't buy it. And it's just like the fact that they skip over all the things that made her angry or don't really, you know, oh, it's a chemical imbalance. It takes away from her. Her you power. Know, it takes away from, yeah. And the fact that she's so kind of brought to her knees by this dude who's so obviously love-bombing her. And I did, I thought he was some sleaze. Yeah, straight away. <laughs> I was just like, nah, 
no, like just red light warning. Yes. My gut instincts were going off. And I agree with you completely because women don't have enough things to be angry about. We have to make up, like, we've got real things to be angry about. Yeah. You could have had her on a revenge track for any one of those things that happened to her, but yep. instead you got the, oh, she, she could have loved the boy. Ugh. She just wants to be in a relationship. Yeah, she just wants the man to save her. Want. She just needs to be rescued. <laughs> She's just a princess. Yeah. And oh. actually on that note, that is something that is really um, uh, great about Gunpowder Milkshake, which we started tonight's show mm. with. No relationship nonsense. Yeah. So passes the Bechdel yeah. test. Tick. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is good. I mean, look, I'm all for like people should have romance in their life. It's great, but don't. But this character, like, uh, look, look. Let's just. This starts as you said, Fee, with one of the worst opening <laughs> scenes I've seen in years, and just keeps on digging from there, excavating. <laughs> the whole thing strains so hard for cool and shock value. You can see the flop sweat, and at times even smell it. I'm all for flawed and con- or conflicted characters. As you know, I'm a big fan of that. But every thinly sketched quip of a character, and they're not characters, they're all quips. They're all one-liners in human skin. Everyone in this thing is loathsome at best, repellent at worst in one way or another. Even the cops. Like, why is Cannavale's character such a weird sleaze? Why oh, no. is Laverne Cox's character such his overacting, preening idiot? Like, why should we give a shit about any of this or anyone mm. in this film? It's so punishingly cynical. The action is unmemorable. There's not a hint of suspension of disbelief. Like, at one point, she, like, we're led to believe, like, okay, she's slightly super strong, but we're meant to believe she climbs a skyscraper with her bare hands. It's- and, and in high heels. Yeah, yeah, and in high heels. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's, like, really, like, done with the world, but she always remembers to, like, gently soft curl her hair and put on her high heel <laughs> boots, lots of black leather. It was, yeah. It's ridiculous. It kind of reminded me of like Catwoman with Halle Berry, where it's such a bad film. I love that. It's that, almost though. watchful. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we've had. An- so it was me and Adrian Martin were the only two people in the entire world that enjoyed Catwoman. Well, I sometimes will. Is somebody at home routinely- keeping score? We got Catwoman love. <laughs> We've got Predator 2 apologist. We've got Space Jam apologist. <laughs> that was part of, that was like an integral part of my childhood. I, I was in grade oh, six when that came out. Go, go easy, mate. Go easy. But yeah, keep uh, And, and, and I've got to say too, a, a pathological rage monster who we're led to suspect, even for a hot second, might punch a baby into dust for crying too loud, is perhaps not the most interesting person to hang a film on. Um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'll go flick. I, there's one more. Oh, thing. I was just gonna, yeah, I was just gonna say on that that kind of idea of her being quite an unlikable character. You know, this main character of Joel being like, um, I've heard the I've heard the director Tanya Wexler. She's talked about her as a feminist anti-hero. She was actually talking about that as a, a notion. She wasn't talking about this film. She was talking about her earlier film, Buffaloed. Mm. And I just don't think she pulls it off. In this, yeah. if she's drawn to that as a concept, which is in itself really interesting, an unlikable woman, the antihero is always male. So it's interesting. It mm. just doesn't happen. It just I like mean, they, they like go there and then they kind of half-ass it. I mean, get it, lock her in a room and get her to watch Young Adult, you know, 50 <laughs> times. Like there's a way yeah. to write an anti, you know, a female antihero. Like she's fantastic. 
I, yeah. And then there's the ending, which isn't because it hilariously, brazenly calls it shot for a sequel as for some reason, Susan Sarandon, whose voice we hear at the start, suddenly pulls a Nick Fury and you're like, what the hell is this? I don't care about spoiling. This movie is utterly, this is entirely aggressively unpleasant garbage. But I will say the only, the only bone I'll throw it, it looks like Kate Beckinsale's having a good time. Yeah, maybe she's also got a new summer house. Yeah, <laughs> I hope That's, so. There's got to be visa bill. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah this is this is one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. I mean, I mean, I didn't like Gunpowder Milkshake, but at least, like I said, I could I could like some of the characters. We didn't mind it existed. This yeah. existence yeah. is offensive. <laughs> Yes, precisely. It actually makes me like Gunpowder Milkshake a whole lot yes. more as well. I'm yes. like, well, at least that was encouraging to like young girls and women. This is just like basically, I don't know, just <laughs> downright offensive. But every best. everyone is an asshole, and and like to get her to like like there's a scene with a waitress at the start Ugh. that's oh. so she's so like hideously like over the top monstrous like like any like you'd literally just call the boss over and go uh, can i speak to your manager please can she did like yeah so like, can we be served by someone else who isn't going to give us an anaphylaxis reaction and and also so, yeah and also just on a side note opening a film that's supposedly a feminist vehicle with a woman being beaten up in a toilet i don't know i think we've seen enough women beaten up on screen but hmm. I don't know. I wasn't on board. Particularly that <laughs> yeah. it needed to bend itself into a pretzel to get her get her to beat yeah. her up in that sort. Like, I also felt like it wanted the audience to want the waitress to be beaten up. Yes, yes, hundred percent. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's yeah. why they made her so ridiculously. Mm. Like, it's like no person, no human being acts like anybody in this movie. Like, I ended up getting like, why does the psychiatrist's office look like this weird hollowed out? I know. Yeah, why is it so the decrepit? Pro- yeah. <laughs> The production design in this yeah. movie is moronic. Like, a, like a, Jessica Jones is my other go-to. Like, oh, instead, great action should, should have been ja- Jessica Jones because it was the way the psychiatrist office was set up reminded me of her private investigator's office. Like yeah. that same kind of like neo noir, you know, decrepit. So much, but like, Jessica Jones is like always on the edge of bankruptcy. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jessica Jones is cool. Like uh, I, I like, I don't mind that she curls her hair. That's like, actually, <laughs> that's actually the perfect fee. That's actually the perfect analog. Like, yeah, Jessica Jones is who this character should have been. Mm. But yeah. she's not. She's just an asshole, like everyone else also, in this film. Also, what is with the therapist where he can afford this like high tech um, stuff to make this super, you know? I don't even know what you'd call it, that vest. And yet he's got like shabby sheep. Um, Shabby chic, like empty frames over his entire world. Yeah, yes. yeah, and they're no all falling, falling down and <laughs> keeps uh, like a, a, you know, a really old fashioned pistol in his top desk drawer, just it's... always ready for when she's going to burst through the door and I might have to shoot her. It's yeah. all ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I can't with this movie. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I well, we all found something to agree on at least. We did. <laughs> we came together at the end. Jolt. That's what matters. Yeah, yeah. You... We joined hands in union for this pile of tripe. Yeah. Jolt, uniting people. <laughs> just so, just so you want to know where to avoid it. Jolt is streaming on Amazon Prime Video. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. <laughs>
<laughs> You've been listening to Primal Screen on Drupal R with Flick Ford, Fee Wright, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. We reviewed Gunpowder Milkshake, now screening in cinemas, Blood Red Sky, now streaming on Netflix, and Jolt, now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Next week, if all goes to plan, Flick and I will be joined by an old friend, very familiar to Primal Screen and Plato's Cave audiences, for the first of our annual MIF specials. This one highlighting film screening online for this year's Melbourne International Film Festival. You'll have to wait to find out what films we'll be discussing. Oh. I know. Log on. You'll just have to log on to Primal Screen's <laughs> social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter this weekend for updates. A huge thank you to Morty Osborne for editing the Primal Screen podcast, Carl Chapman for panelling the show and providing producing assistance. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 